listening to the Sit Down Standout Show, the podcast where people with all abilities and challenges can stand out from the rest, even if they've got to sit down to do it. I'm Ben and Dykstra, the Rolling Dragon, and it's time for this show to take flight. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Sit Down Standout Show, the podcast that gives people with all abilities and challenges a chance to stand out from the rest, even if they've got to sit down to do it. I am the Rolling Dragon, Ben and Dykstra, and I've got a very special guest with me, coming to us all the way from Yorkshire, England. She is a content creator, a former radio host, and she might walk with a stick, but she's got jujitsu skills like John Wick. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Shelley Reed. Shelley, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm doing very well. Now, on today's episode, we're here to talk about a very unique condition called, <clears throat> let me just make sure I get say it right, it is Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease, a very rare genetic disorder that infects 1 in 2,500 people. Now, you can go through a million articles online to get research about it, but I figured why don't we let our guest, Shelley, explain a little bit more about that condition for us? Yep. Um, so I've got some notes here, just so I don't forget, because my mind is crazy. Um, it's a progressive degenerative neuromuscular disease that affects the peripheral ner nerves that branch out from the brain and spinal cord to other parts of the body, including the arms, hands, legs, and feet. It was discovered in 1886 by doctors John Marie Charcot, Pierre Marie, Pierre Marie, and Howard Henry Tooth, and that's how it got its incredible name. And it's nothing to do with tea. Um, and uh, it's over a hundred genes that cause it, and we don't know how many others there are. There are different subtypes of it. Um, depending on the gene that caused it. And like Ben and already said, it affects one in 2,500 people. So there's like 300, sorry, 3 million people with, with it worldwide. Um, it affects the motor and sensory nerves. So it's like uh, numbness and muscle weakness and touch sensors. So um, hot and cold and like sensory. Um, and there's a wide range of symptoms associated with it, but it varies person to person, even in families with the same subtype. That is definitely an interesting condition. Now, it isn't the rarest condition in the world, but one in 2,500, and it's hereditary. So it's not a very well-known condition. Now, how exactly does the genetic diagnosis work because unfortunately you had to take a number of tests to try to figure out oh i do have this gene where at first you didn't think so uh so the genetic tests um it's all, all i know is they uh take your blood and they do general screening for it but i ended up having to go for more advanced screening because the the main gene they test is called the PMP22 gene, and that's for the main gene. But like I said, there are over 100 genes that they can test for. Um, but it's so complicated. Like, I don't understand the science behind it. <laughs> like, the gene testing, um, 
there's a, a project going on called the Genome 100, the 100 test. No, I've forgotten the name for it. Um, the 100 genome test, that's it, in, in London. Um, and they get participants from all over the world because there's just so many genes that cause it. We don't know how many there could be. There's currently 100 and it's just so complex. And there's research projects going on everywhere for it because we don't know how many genes there could be that cause it. Right, and with over 100 subtypes, we'll be researching this long after our grandkids are around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, it could go on forever for all we know. Now, unfortunately for you, it has been in the family most of your life. Your mother, your late mother, inherited the condition. Yeah. Um, what was the family's initial response when they found out you were diagnosed? Um, so it, I haven't been long diagnosed when my mum passed away in 2019. It was just kind of, so my mum had it, my brothers and sisters have it, um, and my grandmother had it, so my mum's mum had it, and her mum had it, so it's it goes back generations, and my mum's sister has it, and most of my mum's family have it. So it's it's everywhere in my family, it's like, interlinked it's like everywhere <laughs> so it was just kind of a I thought I had it when I was born my mum was told I didn't have it so throughout my entire life we thought I didn't have it and then when I was diagnosed it was kind of like oh that makes sense like my whole life just made sense it was like the, the, okay yeah <laughs> right it's it what well I would imagine it would be at first, but then it wasn't really a big surprise because, as you said, so many people in the family had it. It would have almost been a surprise if you didn't have it. But yeah, absolutely. It took so long, yeah, it took so long to try to find it that when they finally diagnosed you, you were in a little bit of a denial period. Can you try to explain that? Because it almost feels like, okay, everybody going back in the family had it. I'm having these medical issues with my ankles and my body feeling not so good why the denial yeah it was strange because obviously at school and stuff when we did physical education I struggled with like the physical demands on my body I wasn't as fast as the other kids and I couldn't do the the jumps as high as the other kids and whatnot and I'd be, I was like in pain my entire life. And the doctors always told me it was growing pains just for context. I'm five foot tall and haven't grown since I was 13, 14. So <laughs> that makes no sense. Um, and so there was always something off for me and the doctors just kept telling me to just sweeping it under the rug kind of thing. So there was always something off for me, but it was always a sense of uh doctors just aren't listening if that makes sense i've been through that experience i've been through that experience myself yeah. because i have cerebral palsy and so what they thought to do for my muscles to try to stretch them out to release some of the tightness and the atrophy was to give you botox injections mm -hmm. in your hamstring and i was about four four years old at this time and then the doctor just goes walk it off oh my gosh that sounds awful so medical, medical ignorance is a very real thing. So you were going back to the doctor saying, growing pains, sweep it under the rug. 
yeah, like it just, it felt like I wasn't being listened to and I was struggling with everything. And then when I came to university, I had three jobs and I started jujitsu training. And then my university degree was archaeology, which was quite physically demanding. And because everybody around me was doing all these things, I thought, I should be able to do them. Why aren't I able to do them? So I kept pushing my body, thinking it should be fine. And it wasn't. And that's when I ended up going to a orthopedic surgeon for a break in my ankle that I'd been walking around on uh, because I was told it wasn't broken <laughs> and ended up having surgery for the first time. And then he diagnosed me clinically diagnosed me with CMT. Um, and that was my first diagnosis. I've had five diagnoses now and only got a genetic diagnosis the day after my 31st birthday in 2022. <laughs> my clinical diagnosis was when I was 21. My goodness, that's got to be a depressing birthday present. <laughs> no, actually, I was relieved because now... Doctors can't deny that I've got it. Getting the genetic diagnosis was a relief. I know that might sound silly, but I've had neurologists tell me that I don't have it. Sit there, look me in the eye and say, you do not have CMT. Oh, I felt the same kind of level of revelation when I was diagnosed with just high anxiety. Because when I was in high school, that was like rampant near the end. And I was like, I must be going nuts. But then when they told me, oh, this is normal for kids your age to have high anxiety. I'm like, oh, thank God, that vindication. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've had two neurologists look me in the face and say, you don't have CMT. Well, in fairness to them, like we said earlier at the beginning, it is a fairly rare uh, thing to diagnose. You have a hundred subtypes of genes to look through to see if you even have it. Yeah. Although... In fairness, again, back to you, everybody going back in the family had it. Yeah. So why would they be surprised? Yeah, I did. Like, I gave them my family history and I was like, I've looked after my mom since being like 10 years old. And I, I know the I know the history and uh, it's incredibly frustrating. But that's why I was relieved with the genetic diagnosis, because it's like now I don't have to fight with my doctors anymore. Absolutely. You could go. Doc, do I need to bring out the evidence again? Yeah, I'd just take it with me everywhere now. Look, look, here. <laughs> now, you were, as you said, your mother's carer as she was dealing with CMT at the age of 10. Yeah. And for most kids, that's not exactly normal. But going from the age of 10 to where you are now, what would you say has been the most difficult challenge of not just dealing with it yourself, but dealing with it kind of in the family as time has gone on? What's been the most difficult challenge of dealing with CMT? That's an interesting question. Like, dealing with CMT for myself, like, my own, for me, has been my age because I'm so young. People are like, oh, you can't be, you can't be this disabled. You're so young. But for my mum, actually for my mum, it was the same kind of thing. She was so young and she had both her legs amputated um before she was 45 
um, and she was in a wheelchair and her back was crumbling, bless her. And people would always go, oh, but you're so young. You're so young. It's always it's always come down to age. Oh, my goodness. Disability does not have an age. No, it doesn't have a look. It doesn't have an age. Doesn't have a gender. Doesn't have a race. No, absolutely. It's It's not one thing. And while there are some warnings like the genetic testing, it's never guaranteed. No. Like, I, I could have been born without cerebral palsy. You could have been one of the lucky fam- family members born without CMT. Absolutely. But there's no, no guarantees to that. No. Like, um, when you have CMT, like my mom's chances of passing on CMT to her children, it's a 50-50 chance. Yeah, my my elder sister has it, my younger brother has it, I have it, and my younger sister is being reluctant to even get tested for it, because she doesn't want to find out. Well, I can't say I blame her, given just the toll it's kind of taken on everybody in the family. Although, I think yeah. it might be a bit relieving to her to say, all right, the sad part's over, now that I know that I've got it. But now I know how to deal with yeah. it, because I've seen so-and-so deal with it for so long. Hey, my fellow standouts, it's the Rolling Dragon, Ben and Dykstra, here to ask you a couple of questions as we've reached the halfway point in our program. Has life thrown you a curveball? Have you lived with what many people would consider unfortunate circumstances or unique challenges? How have you turned them around into something positive for yourself and for others? Is it your time to stand out from the rest? Well then, register as a guest at www.rollingdragonmedia.com and get ready to stand out from the rest. And now, for the rest of our story. Yeah, like my my younger brother, he got uh, diagnosed when he was born and he had physio from basically day one. And his he's... Um, he deals with it really well, actually. He's very active. Um, and his CMT is really well managed. Oh, okay. I was actually going to ask you th- I was going to ask you that next. Uh, your brother manages it through exercise, but how have you managed mm-hmm. your CMT through over the years, throughout time? Because you obviously found out that you had it in your 20s, but you've really lived with it your entire life. And now that you're in your 30s, you'll be in your 40s in 10 years, and the bodies change as we get older. So how have you been able to manage your condition for the better over the years? I'm going to say not very well, because I didn't know I had it. Right. I've kind of abused my body a little bit like I've done high impact martial arts my entire 20s kind of and I did rugby as well and that was kind of high impact training and I just I don't know I I worked very stressful jobs and very high paced jobs um, I was a sound engineer and I also was a bartender and I've not had a lot of sleep over the over the years. Well, I think in fairness, <laughs> first of all, you didn't know. So we don't know what we don't know. But at the same time, at least yeah. when you're older, you can look back and say, you know what? Opportunities came and I took yeah. advantage of it while I could. It's just um, when I had my big surgery on my ankle, I was told to do physio 
And at the time, I kind of ignored that advice because I was like, do you know what? I'm young. I'll be fine. I'll bounce back really easily. And yeah, mm, I was an idiot. Oh, I don't think that you were an idiot. You're just young. We all think we're invincible when we're in we're, when we're in our 20s. I mean, I'm like going to be half I'm going to be yeah. halfway through my <laughs> 20s literally in January. So there were times when I thought, oh, I can I can take almost anything. Like if I fall out of my wheelchair, I'll get up and I'll be fine. But it's like, oh, starting to feel like an old man today. A oh, happy birthday, by the way, just in case I forget. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah um no i was i was a bit silly when it came to the advice on the physio and but um my my cmt care all stopped when covid came around um so 2020 yeah everything stopped because of the pandemic and i kind of went downhill quite quickly and after my mum died my mental health dropped a lot like I went into a very dark Right, place. everything went nuts. And then the pandemic came around, and then lockdowns. <laughs> so 2020 to 2022 was a very dark place for me. And then I found the CMT Research Foundation and became an ambassador. And things have kind of starting to look up. So uh, when COVID hit and unfortunately your mother passed away and all this negative stuff is coming down on you, uh, can you describe kind of the journey to becoming an ambassador? Because, I mean, it's not like people can sign up a simple petition form and say, oh, well, I'm an ambassador for my own condition now. So can you kind of describe that process? I started um, posting to my Instagram again because I'd just kind of lost myself a little bit. And I started posting to my Instagram again and I thought, do you know what, I'm going to put myself back into the world. Um, it's I've been gone for a long time now. I started posting to my Instagram again, started following more people with CMT um, and I found the CMT Research Foundation and I was like, I want to follow them. Um, and I was following them for a few weeks and um, I saw their ambassador program and that they were looking for ambassadors. Um, so I thought I'd apply and see what they required for ambassadors. Um, so I applied and got in <laughs> to be an ambassador. Um and obviously what they need is someone who's active on social media. Um, they You need to be able to fundraise and um, you need to, you don't need to have CMT, but <laughs> it's helpful if you've got CMT and you understand it. Right, because in, unless you're in someone else's shoes, you can't know what someone else has been through. And besides, yeah. it's such a unique condition. The more people with actual cmt that become ambassadors the better so oh yeah absolutely you mentioned that uh cmt was discovered in 1800s so that's about yeah. 200 years ago now before i met you and we started talking on instagram i had never heard of the condition whatsoever 
So yeah. why do you think it is that certain conditions automatically get more awareness than others? Because I feel like even though cerebral palsy can be a very visible condition, like I sit in my wheelchair mm -hmm. most of the time, there are still people that look at me and go, were you in an accident of some sort? So I think, unfortunately, a lot of uh, physical conditions and a lot of mental health conditions, unfortunately, people are prone to assuming and getting the condition wrong. So why do you think a condition like CMT gets less awareness than, let's say, for example, multiple sclerosis, which is related, but it's not quite the same? I think a lot of it has to do with celebrities. I think if a celebrity has it, you're bound to take note. Like um, Selma Blair at the moment, ha not at the moment, she's always had it, but Selma Blair has MS. And I know she's um, just come off, I think it was Dancing with the Stars. Um, and she did wonderfully. But she has, uh, I've just mentioned it, my brain is stupid, sorry. She has MS. And MS is a big one because I think it's more common and celebrities are more vocal about their, not more vocal, but I've not heard of many celebrities with CMT. There was a footballer whose name I can't remember. Who, okay. I'm really bad with names, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, who had CMT. But that's the only person I've heard of, um, like, celebrity-wise, who's had CMT. And then there's, like, um, I've forgotten his name, the actor from Back to the Future. Michael J. Fox. Who's got Parkinson's. Yes, I'm really bad with names, and I, I think he's great. Um, Michael J. Fox, who's got Parkinson's, and everybody knows what that is because he's such a great actor. Right. And he's so vocal about so it. So there really hasn't, even though you mentioned that one football player, there really hasn't been a major celebrity that we are aware of at this time that has been able yeah, to express exactly. their CMT on a major platform. But you don't... Even though yeah. I'm sure that you probably don't think so. You're a celebrity in your own right for being on this show and expressing your experiences with uh, CMT. So where, where, if anyone wants to learn more about CMT, or if they'd like to contribute to your fundraiser, because you've been trying to reach a financial goal online to help with research and a cure for CMT, where can people go look? Um, so there is a link on my Instagram. It's in my bio. It's always there. Um, I don't know the link off my heart, but I have sent it to you, haven't I? Yes, you have. And we'll have those in the show notes below when this episode goes live. Um, they can also find more information on the CMT Research Foundation's page. Um, there's links on there that will explain CMT bet probably better than I have done. Uh, um, or there's CMT UK, um, which obviously is good for the UK. Or you could check out the NHS website. They could give you a overview on CMT symptoms, how to manage CMT if you have CMT. Um, or there's various CMT organizations, depending on what country they're in, if they're listening to this. 
Right. Uh, I know Australia have a CMT organization. Right. Everywhere in the world, they do do things a little bit differently, but I'm sure help is available in different parts of the world. As we start to wind down, Shelley, I'd like to ask you, since you've lived with CMT your whole life, uh, what advice would you give to someone who has either recently discovered their diagnosis of CMT or has just been discovering that it's in their family for the first time? Because that can take a toll on someone on a variety of different ways. Yeah, I would say be kind to yourself and just give yourself a break. Talk to yourself like you would your best friend. Like, because I am my own worst critic and I know I am. So I'm just trying to be kinder to myself and just don't judge yourself too harshly. If there's something you think you should be able to do, give yourself a break and just take your time with things like just be nicer to yourself (laughs) things might take time i think that's going to be the title of the show just being nice to yourself because it's so important you can't help what you were born with you can't control the fact that hey i was born with this because none of us asked to be born with it all we can do is try to learn how to live our best life with what we were given now, Shelley, do you, do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up the show? Yes, I'm sorry for waffling. <laughs> I love that phrase. I'm going to use that from now on. <laughs> I waffle a lot. I'm sorry. It's all right. No, it's, it's part of the journey. Well, Shelley, it has been a pleasure to have you on. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Sit Down Standout Show. From all of us here, we'd like to thank Shelley Reed for her time on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm Venon Dykstra, the Rolling Dragon, and we shall see you next time.